Por favor, mantengas alejado de las puertas. Oh, I've already got one foot on the monorail. I am ready to get to Walt Disney World. On today's episode of Joshin' Around, we're going to take calls on all things Disney. I'm going to talk about why the Contemporary Resort is the best resort to stay at if you're at Walt Disney World. Also want to talk about wicker and wife pillows. And we'll play a game of what's in the basket. All on today's episode of Joshin' Around. Hey, Joshing Around. This is Uncle Mike. Thanks for calling in and thank you for listening to some of my segments. I'll definitely be listening in on more of yours. Now, about Walt Disney and the Disney Park and all that, I don't have much of an opinion about it, but I do know that prior to Disneyland being built, Walt Disney actually took a trip out here to Oakland, California and visited Fairyland, which is a small little tiny park. But uh, after visiting Fairyland, he got a lot of those ideas from Fairyland, which was like Alice in Wonderland and the the family that lived in the big boot. And he took those ideas and designed uh, Disneyland in Anaheim. So there's a little interesting fact for you. Let me know what you think. Uncle Mike, thanks for the fun fact. So, it all started with a man, a dream, some underappreciated animators, and the blueprints to Fairyland in Oakland, apparently. Oh, Walt. Now, while Disneyland was Walt's baby, and he did conceive of the thought of Walt Disney World in Florida, it was Roy Disney and the Imagineers that brought the project to the finish land. One of the original resorts there was the Contemporary Resort, and this is my favorite. I say it's the best, not just because it smells like oranges, or because the restaurant on top, the California Grill, has good food and a great view of the fireworks every night, but instead because the Contemporary is the only one of the resorts that allows you to walk directly to the Magic Kingdom. If you've ever been to the Magic Kingdom, you've seen the beautiful fireworks, and then you get ready to leave the park, you walk down Main Street, it's already crowded, and then you see the line to the monorail, and it's like, wow, whoa! And that's why most everybody hates Disney. They might not love paying the money for the contemporary, but turn to your left and just start walking that leisurely stroll back to your hotel. You'll feel so much better. Even though the monorail runs through the resort, doesn't mean you have to take it. Trust me, it's a better life. And that goes back to my number one tip when traveling to Disney. Just pay them the money that they're asking for. Just do it. Just give them the money and don't complain, and you'll feel better. If you don't have the money, don't go. Right? There's a song about this, I think. Or just lower your expectations. And remember, Disney's super cool. They'll let you bring anything in you want except alcohol and weed, anything, you know, that you shouldn't bring in there because it's a kid's park. But you could bring in as many diapers, as much food, sandwiches, drinks, everything you need. But if you forget something, oh, they'll make you pay. So, Cool Cats, we are taking call-ins for the entirety of today's show about Disney, the movies, the parks, anything you want to talk about. For the lowdown on Disney thoughts as a child, let's hear from Tony Lowe. Joshing around, this is Tony Lowe from the Lowdown with Tony Lowe. When I was a kid, Disney was so amazing um, to me. The Jungle Book introduced me to the sound. What I thought 
was the sound of Africa, but later realized it was just, it was the sound of Louis Prima, uh, an Italian of all things, channeling the African-American artistic experience of America. And um, that changed my life and the way I heard music and the way I appreciated my grandfather who was playing Louis Prima and I just thought it was that ape, you know. <laughs> I thought it was Louis, King Louis from the Jungle Book. As an adult, I didn't think much about the mouse. Tony, you make a great point. Disney movies are an excellent format for introducing kids to new genres of music. It's how I learned about Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson in the early 90s. It's how I'm also familiar with Roger Miller. Thanks, Robin Hood. When it comes to the Jungle Book, though, that's a true story. Man is going to corrupt the jungle. If only the animals would have listened to Shere Khan. If only Ka would have gotten the best of Mowgli. Yesterday on my adventure, I came home with a wicker basket. I decided it'd be perfect right in front of my front door. And when I brought my three-year-old home from school, that was the first thing she saw. She said, ooh, what's in the basket? Snakes, I said without a pause. Snakes, and she backed up. Do they bite? No, they don't bite. But you can't open the basket or they'll get out. What happens if they get out? Well, nothing. But then we'll have to put the snakes back in the basket. Well, she didn't open that basket until my wife finally assured her there were no snakes in there. And guess what? Now it's open and closed all the time. Thanks, Pandora. Here's another fun fact on a more personal level. So I'm pretty local when it comes to Disney, and my family's been here for a while. So I can happily say that my dad did have a hand in helping build Walt Disney World. He helped paint seashells for a now-closed ride 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He likes to tell a few stories about sitting around inhaling all these fiberglass fumes. Tells me another story about a friend who worked at the Swiss Family Robinson tree, and his job was to turn each leaf until it was precisely the right degree that was listed on his paper. Hey, Imagineers are thorough, if nothing more. I didn't get to go a lot as a kid, in fact, maybe just once or twice when relatives were in town, but my dad stayed friends with some of the construction guys, so when I was nine, we got to go over there. We didn't go through the main entrance, though. We went to a construction site where they were building the new Norway facility in Epcot. We met his buddies, we had some hot black coffee, and then he pointed to the wall that we were supposed to jump if we wanted to join the park. The man told us nobody's going to check your tickets way before magic bands, fast passes, or anything like that. After A, B, and C tickets if you go way back. That said, we jumped the fence, had a wonderful time. Thanks, Dad. Embarrassingly, this isn't the only story I have like this. Anytime I'd go home from the weekend and tell my mom one, she would instinctively say, Ugh, your father. On one particular trip, we went to Atlanta, the Atlanta Zoo actually, to see a big gorilla named Willie B. My dad, he was determined to feed Willie B bananas, but this was not allowed. So he snuck in a bunch of bananas under his jacket. We hustled over to the Willie B exhibit, and when my cousin said, Look, there's Willie B right there. My dad got out one of the bananas and, boom, threw it over the wall. It landed pretty close, but not close enough for Dad. So, boom, he threw another, and it hit Willie B right upside the shoulder, landed next to his foot. He picked it up, and instead of peeling it, silverbacks don't peel bananas, he just started to eat it. One bite, two bites, it was gone. So, boom, my dad throws another one over, and that's when we hear, Hey, you ain't allowed to be doing that. So quickly, boom. 
boom, boom, boom. My dad throws the rest of the bunch, grabs me by the nape of the neck. We were out of there. Hit out the rest of the day in the bathhouse, trying to avoid the heat. I love you, Dad. Hi, Joshing Round. This is Emily from the Create 86 podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for stopping by my channel and checking out my content. And I actually do have a favorite Disney um, memory. It was my first time I ever saw a Disney princess, which I think I was like seven. And uh, of course, as a little girl, I was obsessed with Disney princesses and had all the stuff and had all the dresses and whatnot, but it's definitely, it's a huge thing when a little girl first sees one of those princesses. So thanks again for stopping by. I can't wait to hear more of your content. Bye. Create U86, thanks for sharing that precious memory. I remember when I first got hooked on the mouse. I was in the Orlando area. I was partying late one night with Timothy Leary and some friends. And right about the time the sun was coming up, one of the guys said, oh man, I have to go to work. Oh, really? You've got to go to work? Where, where do you work? Oh, I work at Epcot. Oh, you do? Yeah, I can get two people in for free if you want to come. So I looked at another guy. I said, let's go. We rode with this dude and once again, essentially jumped the fence to get in. He was a janitor, if you've ever seen that show. He went off to work. I met Figment and Captain EO for the first time. Pretty amazing ended up in the coca-cola cool zone for an hour and a half until i felt like charlie in the chocolate factory where he has to you know where it's burp charlie yeah Ugh. sorry i mentioned that but in any event i've been hooked for life ever since hi and welcome back to ambient noise on anchor.fm you heard me right the guy was a janitor what that means is essentially he put on a stomp-like show with trash cans and brooms and such, dressed like Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. Yeah, that sounds about right. But it got me wondering from then on about what people do at work. I'm fascinated by this. So if you're a server, if you work at a grocery store or as a bag boy, I pretty much know what you do. But it's what I don't know that fascinates me. What do firemen do when there's no fires? What's going on in supply chain management? What does an engineer do? This may be a question on a future show. If you do something boring, interesting, call in. Let me know. I'm fascinated. Back to Disney, though. I had my first child in 2006, and that's what brought me back to Sesame Street, Disney movies like Little Mermaid, and Aladdin. In 2009, The Princess and the Frog came out, which is a great movie. I took my daughter to see Tangled in 2010. That was her first movie at the ripe age of three. From there, well, my dad, he was nice enough in his old age to spend some money. He bought his grandkids annual passes, myself included, and we started going over all the time. So I was a poor young parent, but I could still find enough gas money to get us through the door. And from there, I really did have everything I needed on my back. We'd treat it like Central Park and just walk through, ride a ride here and there, get our autograph book signed. One of my favorite memories was just riding the people mover as I watched my kids sip Capri Suns and eat Little Debbie's. You really can have the time of your life, even without spending a dime, just as long as you make those turnstiles move. Oh, the magic. So my wife hasn't hit that wicker phase yet. I think that happens to women in their 50s, but she is into pillows. I call them wife pillows. Ever since we started dating and she moved in, there's been a throw pillow in every chair of my house. I don't know how I lived without these pillows before. She moved in and in came the beauty. 
wife pillows, and throw blankets everywhere. Hashtag blessed. From a Disneyland side of the coast, except where I am. Okay, here's a theory for you. Theory for you. Disneyland. Is it better with lines? What are your thoughts on this? So, I went there once, or I go there quite a bit, but when there's no lines, somehow we all get bored. Like, you can run to the front of the line, and we, one time we blazed through just about all the big rides in an hour, then we were going, what do we have to do? And then we realized, like, it's a little better when you gotta wait, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, maybe pushing two hours is crazy, but when there is a little bit of a line, you feel like you earned this moment of like, I'm finally the guy who gets to get into the ride and go. I don't know, what's your take on this? I, I think sometimes the crowds help. This is spot on. Leave it to someone named Killjoy to take a great situation and show me how bad it is. But what you're saying is right. Ever since the fast pass system came about, I really know how to work it. So my kids, they have it made. They get right to the front. We don't have to wait for anything great. If we do, we're probably not going to do it. But it takes a lot out of the situation. I agree with you 100%. They don't have to wait. They're spoiled. 10 minutes, that's nothing. We really did have to put in hard time to ride Thunder Mountain back in my day. I'm told the newest news in the world is that if you're staying club level, which is way too much money for maybe a couple of free cookies and some draft beer, but now you get unlimited fast pass. Those kids are going to be spoiled to, to, to the max. But it's not all about that, Walt Life. Some things about Disney aren't so magical. My favorite source on the matter is a book called Married to the Mouse. It tells the story about how Walt Disney decided to put Walt Disney World in Central Florida. The second choice was St. Louis. Had to be somewhere east of the Mississippi. My favorite quote comes from a county commissioner at the time who said, We don't need that mouse here. If you've been to one circus, you've done seen them all. Now, I don't know if that's actually how he talked, but I hope it was. That said, Disney's brought a lot of low-wage jobs to Central Florida. At this point, most everything they have is in-house, so it doesn't really benefit the surrounding ecosystem. Guests are brought from the airport straight to Disney property via bus. They might be shipped quickly via minivan to another attraction here or there, but they're quickly brought back to either the cruise ship or Walt Disneyland property. So, although it seems like Orlando is nothing but magic, sometimes there's a little pirating to be done as well. Peek further behind the scenes though and you'll see that that carriage is a pumpkin after all. Walt Disney World isn't in Orlando. It's not in any city. In fact, Disney came up with its own municipalities thanks to the experimental prototype Community of Tomorrow. You know, Epcot? That's how Disney convinced the state legislature to let them have their own mayor, their own citizens, and their own zoning. That's how they can build things so quick, because they come up with their own laws. Oh, Disney, so crafty. This is not magical. Oh, that's the sound of someone having a breakdown at Disney. They either didn't prepare properly, their kids aren't living up to expectations, or they just can't maintain. Well, now that we've gone down this rabbit hole of negativity, I want to hear the views take on Walt Disney. How you doing, Josh and around? I got your question about Disney and 
what's my take on it, whether it be the park, the actual person himself, or overall the franchise. Uh, I really don't think about Disney too much ever since I've grown up. But the only thing I really can say about Disney is that I kind of do believe the whole um, the whole thing about Walt Disney having himself frozen like underground inside the park somewhere. I really do believe he did that because um, technically if I had the money to do something like that, I probably would do it too. And if I knew that one day technology would like that would um pop up then yeah most likely i probably would have did that too so i do believe that as far as walt disney goes i've actually heard that if you take the keys to the kingdom tour they take you downstairs under cinderella's castle and you actually get to see the cryogenically frozen head of walt disney i don't know if that's true or not but you don't hear about rich people freezing themselves anymore, right? Ted Williams, I think, was the last one that I remember. But I also don't remember a super rich person dying recently. Magic Johnson didn't die. Bill Gates is still alive. Mark Cuban might live forever. Do you think Richard Branson is preparing to freeze himself? No, because that sounds ridiculous, right? They got stem cells. They're going to Germany. They're getting cryogenic treatments inside their own blood cells, their platelets. Yeah, I want some of that. You stay froze, bro. And with that, I am ready to start my trip to the Magic Kingdom, but I've still got one more day of work, and so do you. Tune in tomorrow on Josh and Around, where we'll talk about a lot of things, but more importantly, at the end of it all, We'll play R. Kelly's Remix to Ignition. I'll see you then. When we all start, Josh and Rep. Before we do, though, let's go back to the well. As Killjoy tells us, the Disney story of the day. Second Disney call-in, because I'm a junkie for, for my Imagineering. Uh, we went into Carsland within the first week or so, and uh, we got in line right as the park was about to close and i think it was 11 that night maybe i can't quite remember however we got in line to cars land about 10 minutes in and the line to cars land was stated to be three hours so uh wasn't sure if they were going to kick us out turns out if you get into a line at disneyland they let you stay until you get on the ride so round about two o'clock 2 30 in the morning we finally got to go on cars land for the first time and it was incredible but after that was even more insane they let us off the ride, and all of California Adventure and Cars Land is lit up, and there's nobody in the park. It's like a ghost town. We got to wander around the place for a good 45 minutes. Nobody there. Fully, fully uh, lit up park. 